Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 255, Great Iron Blitz. Oscar Lopez here. We're going to be alongside Holly Custis, Luis Bain, and Mackenzie Brooks, and as well as hopefully Troy Wilson. Uh, you can catch our podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and Block Talk Radio. You can also leave a feedback comment on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and right here on Block Talk Radio. So it's going to be a great show today. We are talking college football final. Clemson pulls the big, big upset and really showcases their power against Alabama last night. We're going to be talking NFL wildcard weekend, all the uh, games finalized. We're going to go diving into the NFL divisional round as we preview the upcoming matchups this Saturday and Sunday. Uh, And we're going to be talking the big, big issue uh, that came out a while back in the uh, transgender issue involving the uh, Minnesota Vixen and the Independent Women's Football League as well. And big bombshell news coming out of IFAB today, the uh, Women's European Championships for 2019 in August uh, will be hosted by Great Britain at Leeds. So that was really big, big bombshell announcement there. We'll dive in later in the hour to Gridiron West Week 12, as we have a couple weeks left in the Gridiron West season. Uh, it's about three weeks left before the playoffs start. So we'll dive into that. We'll also kind of go into BAFA women as we get into the season coming up here in week three of this early season and Sapphire Series coverage exclusively by double coverage. We'll have that up on our Facebook page at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. And then congratulations to the Serene Milano uh, squad in Italy for winning the uh, Italian championship, the CIFAF championship versus the underdogs Bologna, 19 to 6. If you missed the game, you can go to our Twitter feed as well as you go to the hub and you can watch the whole game there, about two hours of excitement uh, of the international game that happened in Italy. So uh, let's bring in our uh, Hall of Famer here, uh, Luis Bean in the house. Uh, Luis, how's it going today? It's going great. How's you? How are you? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Um, but a lot, of th- a lot of things to talk about today. Um, in terms of everything football, not including uh, the women's game as well. But um, let's go. Uh, bowl game last night was pretty close for a couple minutes here, back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Clemson starts to just, you know, edge away and edge away. And then eventually they they literally just, you know, what, what can you say about Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I so I didn't make it home. I was doing kid stuff until about the end of the second quarter, and when I checked on my phone before that, it was 14 to 13, and so uh, end of the first. So I thought, hey, this is going to be a good game. And then when I turned it on at the end of the second, it was 28 to six. Uh, let's see, 28 to 16. Yeah, and I thought, what the heck? And and there, you know, I have heard so much talk show today talk about that game. And obviously Clemson wasn't really given much of a chance to win. And I just think they were well-prepared, excellently coached uh, for that game. 
I mean, obviously both teams have great coaches and great players. Um, I just think Clemson looked more prepared for what they were going to do. Obviously the pick six at the beginning doesn't help, and then there was the other interception at the beginning. So those things don't help. It hurts you momentum-wise. Um, I just didn't see Alabama coming back, and I didn't see Alabama getting beat that bad. But you know what? I had no problem with them getting beat that bad. That's, uh, you know what? Tell us how you, Sometimes tell us how you really feel, Louise. I <laughs> know. I don't have any issues with Alabama, but you know what? Sometimes it's just A good lot of people on Twitter had issues with that. <laughs> they were happily enjoying about yeah. Alabama getting beat down. Yeah. No, and Clemson, I just I like the feel of their team. I like the feel of their coaches, their head coach. I like the feel of their quarterback and how he talks and what he says. But I, I like Tua, too. So don't get me wrong. I think Tua is awesome. I just thought, wow. I, was, think the, I, had to I think the watching. pressure. I think the pressure got to Alabama when defensively Clemson started to uh, clamp down, and then when they made those mistakes on those throws, because some of those throws he he threw the interceptions on were very quick decisions where he didn't let the play kind of evolve. Uh, on the second yeah. interception, he literally overthrew the receiver. It was right there. If you would have just given him a little bit more time. I think it would have been made a difference, but it became a situation where I think he just handed the game over. I mean, he didn't mean to do it, but it just, you know, like you said, turnover just cost you all that momentum. And then when Clemson got up by, you know, what, uh, 28-16, I think before the half, uh, that was a huge difference to overcome. Because in the third quarter, you could see, as uh, Saban said, those third and longs were not being converted, and they just that hurt, that hurt you. Well, in the fourth downs that they didn't get, that just kills your momentum, especially because they were – I think two of them were in the red zone. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was the fake punt that didn't work, and that just kills your momentum. And I really think that the DBs – I mean, Alabama averaged their wins, 30-point wins, right? Over 30 points per win this right. year. So all of a sudden you're like, what the heck? What's going on with us? We thought we were awesome, and they are awesome. They are a good team. But – that just makes that makes you start doubt. And they both teams have a lot of young players. Not that their young players can't play, that's for dang sure. But um lots of freshmen, true freshmen on both sides. But they're both loaded, so I just think it kind of freaked them out. I really think uh Sabin really uh when you listen to his press conference, um I just didn't feel like he was getting Clemson enough credit. I think he was just going on to where my team just didn't play as well as they should have played. We, we, we played down, you know, that kind of mentality, which I thought was kind of yeah. just not very pro about it. I mean, he should have just, you know, manned up and said, you know, we just, we just got beat all in all phases yeah. or whatever. But reality is he didn't do it. I mean, it's just too much for him to take in, but <laughs> the bottom, you know, yeah, you, you, you can't, you can't say, you know, when you get beat by three points, you can say, Hey, we made some mistakes. It's on us. Right, but when you get beat forty-four to sixteen, okay, that's just you, the coach, <laughs> just not you know everything just not going right, and so I, I just felt like you know sort of a sore loser in, in a way, and I think that's where everybody on Twitter and social media just you know was like so happy <laughs> that he was just you know griping about you know what didn't go right. 
Yeah, they 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 when did they score their 16th point? It was somewhere in the second, wasn't it? So they didn't score yep. for the rest of the game, and that's just uh, you know that's some serious good defense. And I think also there was a stat. What was the, I think the stat was what 30 points. Uh, Notre Dame, I think, uh, was that 30 points on Notre Dame that they put up yeah. over fourth quarters, and Clemson yeah. put it put 31 almost in the first half. That just they smelled just the blood early. Yeah. They oh smelled yeah, yeah. You could early. tell. You could tell yeah. Clemson had that that killer instinct in them, and when they got ahead, and once the defense really took control on those third and long, and actually those red zone stops, you could tell that they were just you know they were just so confident. Mhm. Yeah, and the quarterback. Uh, gosh, what's his first name again? It just, it just, I just lost it. The uh, Trevor, Clemson quarterback. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor, Trevor yeah. Lawrence. He just stood back there and just chopped him up. And the receivers are so good. Made great catches, even though the balls were on target. But he just chopped him up. It's amazing yeah, he's so great... big at 6'6", six, 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 oh, yeah. 18 years old. And there's some other true freshmen that are just, you know, men. <laughs> just men, and they're 18. So, oh, makes you think it'll grow I really like the. I really like the um... – analogy of the coach by, you know, uh, sticking to his faith by really saying, hey, Mm -hmm. we got here because everybody believed in the program and everybody believes in themselves first, you know, and it wasn't like a selfish statement, you know what I mean? Like, we are bad, we are good, that kind of deal. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know what, uh, you know, God-given talent, that's why we're here, and this is what, you know, this is what we're putting ourselves to. Um, so I think that was a oh, real yeah. good message in that sense overall as a team unity, you know, to just kind of put it together where it's not just the coach or just the players. It's literally the whole unit had to come together to really work on it. And I really I really like the fact that um, Coach Demo really just kind of, you know, had a little bit of an ego there going, hey, you know what, I built this from scratch. It's taken me a long time. And, uh, you you know, you couldn't put a script to it in Hollywood. I think that was really nice. Yeah, well, and the whole defensive line, I think all of them came back to try and win a championship when they let several of them could have gone pro. And uh, just just the the receivers, the, the Ross receiver, the freshman, the quarterback being a true freshman, I mean, he started all four years in high school. Like, you're 14 years old. So, um, I mean, they're, yeah, they, they're loaded for a while, so – yeah, the next class over, I think it's going to be still pretty pretty solid for both teams, not just one team. For both teams, it's going to be really solid. Yep. All right, uh, we got. Uh, if you haven't gone to if you haven't gone to the hub, I don't know what you're doing, but you should be going to the hub every day. Uh, the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Um, pull up a chair, get your mai tai, whatever you got to do. Hang out with us. Um, there's a couple cool stories that just came out of the. Alliance of American Football uh, come out uh, this week. And first story was uh, having to do with um, Jennifer King being signed over by the Arizona uh, Hotshots. And then prior to that was Coach Lori Locus, who was uh, actually uh, hired on with the Birmingham Iron. And then the biggest story, of course, is always uh, Jen Welter. And she was um, hired on at the Atlanta Legends. So we're going to be talking AAF in the next uh, next two, three podcasts as they uh, launch on February 9th. 
So, uh, Luis, this is kind of kind of big in a way because the NFL hasn't touched this, and this new league just kicks off and is giving uh, all these uh, coaches the opportunity to coach. Yeah, I, I think it's a good spot to start for several of these women because um, it's not the highest level. And so I think there's opportunities, just like for the players that are going to play. They are not the highest level of players, at least not yet, at least not perceived to be because they're not in the NFL. But it's an opportunity for them to maybe get their foot in the door. So I think it's great that uh, the, the ladies are having a chance to try and get their foot in the door. And, you know, there's a lot of girls just in my overall, over the time that I've played football, which is nine years, Obviously, the game has grown. Obviously, there's more girls that are coaching, even in the younger ranks. I mean, when I coached my son's little league team for a couple years, I was like the only girl. It was this totally huge novelty. I was with an all-men guys staff. We had a great time. Um, And now that same league in Salt Lake City has had several girls coach. So it's not as a big deal. Of course, Utah has also the girls' league too, but it's just not a big deal. So I feel like, you know, Jen Welter has done some great things, and but there's been women and that have been coaching in the high school ranks already, and there's been women, um, not just Jen and not just uh, Sowers, that are doing things in the NFL. They get a lot of like the, the FaceTime for it, and they've done great things. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But there's other women out there that are doing great things too, like, uh, oh, gosh, the D.C. Diva girl that I read an article about who's a uniform inspector for the Washington Redskins, and she's the only female. And so I just think, you know, those are all really cool things. And um, whatever way that girls, women can get their foot in the door and – just be proactive and putting their name out there and whatever they did, did they put in applications? Did they talk to somebody? You know, it's all who you know sometimes and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just having the guts to put yourself out there. And obviously when there's more women that are being accepted, then it gives you more confidence that maybe, hey, you can have a turn. But um, it doesn't happen unless we put ourselves out there and and be brave and courageous and, and not be afa- afraid of of being told no because we've all been told no in different walks of our life so just if you're told no in football that shouldn't be any I don't know to me if I got told no in football it shouldn't have any different gravity than if I got told no in a different realm Uh, but sometimes people perceive it differently because they're like oh there's no girls in football so oh that's a bigger slap in the face or whatever and I just look at things like hey you know what Um, you just Got to put yourself out there, whatever it is, whatever it is. So, well, you talk, um, you talk to, uh, yeah, we talked to Jennifer before. Remember, we've talked to her before where mm-hmm. it's still about yeah. credibility and what, and what you can do. Yeah. We've talked to Callie before. You still got to know your stuff. You're just not going to walk oh, in yeah. and, you know, you know, you still got to know all your stuff. So there's still a factor there where you mm-hmm. you have to put in the work, no matter the, like any other coach would. And then a respectability and credibility comes from that, of course. Well, and obviously you're going to be looked at whether you like it or not. You're going to be looked at a little bit differently when you want the credibility because you're a girl and because there's a perception that you haven't played your whole life and, hey, do you know enough? And that's just how it is. And I don't have a problem with that because I feel like that me personally, when those things have happened, it just challenges and motivates me more like, hey, I got to prove myself. I got to prove myself. So, 
Um, and if I don't measure up, I don't measure up, and that's on me. And and maybe sometimes it's happened for girls where they feel like it, they felt like, hey, I did measure up, I did earn it, and I still didn't get a shot. Well, guess what? We just got to keep pushing. That's just what you got to do. So I think it's awesome. Um, but I just know that there's more girls coaching all over the place that no one ever knows and recognizes, and they don't get their time on Facebook. And, you know, my hat, hat's off to all of those women that are quietly um, making inroads in their own town and in their own city. Uh, because when I was coaching in the in the Pop Warner League that I was coaching, like I said, I was the only girl. I knew I had to prove myself. I knew I had to work well with the men. We had a great time. And you you just you have to know that that's how it's going to be, and that didn't bother me. Um, and so so I made inroads. I guess you could say I made inroads in my community. Do I look at myself as, like, some amazing pioneer? No. I was coaching my son's team, and I was trying to help my son and those boys have a good experience. They were in junior high. Um, and other people looked at me differently, but I'm like, hey, you know what? It's just football. It's just a game. And then the men, the men can chill out. Like, they don't have to feel... If you act like, hey, it's all good, we're working together, you know, you're not beating your drum to some agenda, then they chill out, like, so quick. And they just say, hey, you're a coach, we're a coach, you know, let's work together. And and you have to navigate the egos a little bit, but that's, you know, that's everywhere. Everyone's got egos. <laughs> so you got to navigate them, whether women or men. So, And it was a good experience. So, I'm actually looking forward to see how uh... – Coach Lori does over in Birmingham. I think they're going to have a good squad based on what uh, some rosters that I had. Uh, we did reach out to hey, she's her. She's a good coach. Uh, we're waiting. Yeah, coach. we're waiting. Uh, I'm waiting for her to give me a response. I know she's a busy lady, and we'll see if we can get her on there because she's kind of a big, big deal in, in my eyes because she's uh, she's kind of journeyed into the arena league, mm-hmm. she's journeyed into her own league, so she's got a lot of tenure, and more yeah. so than I think uh, Jennifer and Jen in a way yeah. in terms of, you know, going through all that. So kind of interesting story on her end. So uh, we'll, we'll and see. And she's about, proven herself. Uh, I feel like she's proven right. we'll herself coach, long-term. Yeah. We'll see if Coach Lucas can come on and kind of, a, you know, give us a an overview of what's going to be for Birmingham Iron and a, as well as her journey and kind of give us a perspective of what the season's going to be like. So it kicks off on February 9th, and that's the, uh, the Alliance of American Football, and that's going to be uh, pretty much nationwide. And you guys can catch it on CBS. It's going to be nationwide on CBS. And so familiar names, like we said, will be including former WFA All-Stars and Pioneers, Jennifer King, uh, Jen Welter, and, of course, uh, coaching uh, journeyman coach Lori Locus. So that's going to be awesome. You can get the the article uh, courtesy of AAF.com. You can go to the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. You can get the article there. Uh, The other article that came out is the Czech League is doing their – Player of the Year Award, um, if you guys can check it out out there, there's three players that are being considered for Player of the Year. Uh, one from the uh, the champion, Berno Amazons, which is Albetza uh, Nakasova. And then uh, from the Prague Black Cats, it's Naratka Dablabalova. And then uh, it's uh, Preham uh, Bobcats, Nikola uh, Vokurova. So if I botched those names, I apologize. But I did work <laughs> on those very hard. But uh, they're being uh, the three front runners for player of the year uh, off the Czech League. So it's going to be off the, uh, the Sesca Social Americana for below. So that's the uh, CAAFF of, uh, of uh, the Czech Republic there. And you can catch it out there as well. The breaking news show um, 
they came out this uh, this basically just a couple hours ago was Great Britain is set to play host to the 2019 Women's Euro Championship. So the British American Football Association has confirmed that the event will be staged at John Charles Center for Sport in Leeds over the course of the week commencing August 18th. So the details right there on the ifab.org site. And so that's a great, uh, great thing. Uh, it sort of normalizes IFAB once again, Luis, because we were having all these, you know, part ways, two-part IFABs, and all of a sudden, you know, now uh, Richard uh, McLean, former uh, head of the uh, Football Canada, uh, now heads IFAB. So now, now we're making strides here. Euro Championships in 2019, the uh, World Championships, I believe, are in 2021. So we're making, it, you know, the Euro teams are going to get an opportunity to kind of showcase themselves and, and try to get ready for the uh, Women's World Championships. Yeah, that's, you know, it's just growing and growing. And, and uh, I mean, I know that the New York Sharks went and and played this same team, didn't they? Wasn't this the same, the Birmingham team um, for their friendly uh, this past year? Um, but I just think as that sport grows over there, it's going to be even more of a challenge for the U.S. in 2021 to, you know, keep their gold medal. I mean, I'd like to say that they sh- should keep it, but, hey, they got there's other countries that are nipping at the USA's heels, so that's why you play the game. That's why that's why Alabama and uh, Clemson played, because no one picked Clemson to win, so, well, less people yeah. at least. Well, it's going to be it's going to be exciting because uh the Italian uh national team will be fielded for the uh, Euro Championships. And then you have the Czech Republic that's trying to field the team as well. You have the Germans, uh the French, the Spanish, uh you know, the Great Britain team as well, Sweden, Finland. So a lot of more competition into that realm for the Euro Championships which was owned for a long time by the uh I believe the Finnish league or the Finnish team, the Finland team, and now it's being contested by the Great Britain team. So now we're going to see, yep. you know, if any other team, you know, steps up to the plate. So I know Italy is is just itching at the bits to get into the tournament. Pretty sure they will do it. So there's probably a, a projection of six teams out of the Euro section that will compete for the Euro Championship. So that's really well, really well and awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it would be great if there was more than six, uh, but that's a lot of football in one week, too, to have to play. So, uh, And I know Finland pays players to play for them, not a ton, but I know some American girls have gone to play for them, and so I don't know if any of the other European countries pay. Do you know that? No, um, there's only the top league that pays right now, and that's where most okay. everybody gravitates to. So that's, sure. you know, that's probably – that's probably the best league in terms of the international scene that actually has some payout or some benefit to go there and play. Um, yeah. So it's just a matter of structuring yourself in the um, country, you know, to do, to be there and kind of financially secure yourself that way for the season. But there is benefits there for the, for the league and it is growing. It has, I think two tiers now. So it's a really good benefit. I mean, Leah Kaza, Leah Kaza from Indy crash has been over there uh, also. And Courtney Powell as well from the Indy Crash. So a lot of the Indy Crash players have gone over there as well. Um, so it's a really hey, good sign. The other, oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, what no, do you ahead. think is causing the international players that we've seen, the handful of them? I'm sure there's more than we're aware of all the time that are coming to the United States. Do you think these? And it's not easy just to come live here and work, um, uh, green card wise, and just those kind of things. So why do you think that there's been a, a little bit of an exodus of that, or do you think it's just more publicized? I think it's just whoever is coming here wants to, you know set their mark on the biggest stage. And so far the WFA is promoted and marketing as the largest and the best in the world. So I think a lot of the players from the international scene really want to set their, you know, their footing here to kind of like see how good they can do in this league. It's really the, the notion. And now we have what WNFC coming in here. And then you have the bombshell by the Boston Renegades, which I was going to bring up here, but we'll, since we're talking about it already, bombshell by the Boston Renegades uh, that they're getting uh, Ruth Francesca, which is the uh, the um, all-world running back by the Great Britain team, as well as the Birmingham Lions of the uh, Baffa women. She's coming to be on the Boston Renegades for the 2019 season. We had Gabby Knops and Christy Torres going into the WNFC Seattle Majestics. And so I think a lot of the players are driven just to kind of, you know, match up and see how well they can do here in the States in the true, uh, you know, true game of American football in the States. Yeah. I, I mean, I know for the Falcons, we had a French girl that was on the national team and for an also national flag team. And she wanted to come play for the Falcons, but couldn't get her, um, you know, there was a lot of red tape to try and come to America. So it was too bad because this was just last year because she's a great player. You know, I mean, just uh, plays football all the time because she's on the national flag team and the national tackle team. So, you know, if you you pick up a few of those players on your team, that definitely helps. I can tell you right now, based on conversations that I've had with others that I network with, if the WNFC – becomes a viable brand, successful season, right? Everything goes right. Mm-hmm. You got Adidas sponsorship. You know, everything that that could go right, if everything goes right, in other words, exciting season, close games, you know, a lot of excitement. I think in year two or year three, you will start to see that the international players will come and want to be part of one of, those, one of the two leagues, either the WFA or the or WNFC. Just because if it's going to be elevated to another level, they they're all they all want to be on that on that level, the next level. I think it'll depend on yeah, like you said, this first year, and then it'll just depend on um, there is so much red tape for foreign girls to come here and their jobs and how that works, and uh, I think that's going to be a difficult thing unless there's some way to get around it. I think there's, they will want to. Also, I, it also depends on the next couple of years. It's growing so fast in the European and in Mexico and all over Australia that, you know, it does cost a lot of money to come here and and uh, to live and work. So I think it's, it's – I think you're right, but then I don't know because the, the foreign leagues are growing. So. No, right. What I'm saying is that there's not going to be like a, a big influx of players, but there will probably be key players – that are going to want to challenge themselves. You know, we're talking about yeah. two or three at a time coming over just to see yeah, how yeah. it's about. Um, but it's not going to be like this huge masses, you know, but it's going to be specific yeah. key players coming over. 
And it's happened in the past, so it's nothing new. We've had players in the IWFL and the WFA that have not been, you know, spotlighted to the point where, you know, they've been merited in terms of they've come over. But every team, I think, in the WFA, if not in every league in the U.S. prior to this, has had a foreign player come and participate or be on any squad. So there's, you know, we're just focusing on now because we got so so much social media focus. But in the past, I'm pretty sure there's – there's been players in the past that have come from other countries and participated or were on several squads in every league. And so to my right. knowledge, that's what I've been told. So, um, and if they're the other, coming just for football, that's a big deal. If they're, right. if they're already in the country for other reasons, because we have an Australian player, but she was already living here. So. Yeah, exactly. So the other, uh, the other feature was on there. It was on uh, one of your uh, teammates, Kelly Colabella. It was done by great vegan athletes.com. And uh, so she's been spotlighted there, part of the Utah Falcons, and now part of the WNFC Utah Falcons. So check out the article there of Kelly uh, Colabella, uh, and that's uh, the article that was done on there. The other one, a, a big deal was Sarah Thomas, set to make uh, NFL history this weekend in the divisional round. She will become the first woman to officiate a postseason game in the divisional round. So that's kind of huge. And uh, she's been – you know, uh, in the NFL for a while now. And so this is a big step and it's a great moment for not just women in general, but a good accomplishment on her behalf for uh, her accomplishment and her merit to be in uh, a referee in the division realm. It's like they get graded almost in every round so that, you know, she's obviously been considered for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I assume that she earned it equally and, and wasn't just like a, uh, ploy or something like that to bring goodwill or whatever i mean i i if i was if i was her i'd want to know that i earned it and uh and i, I want my coworkers to know that i earned it so i'm assuming she did and i think that's really cool and uh that'll be a good thing yeah the other article we had on there is communitynews.com it's uh the southern gazette give us a preview of the gridiron west women's uh in season, back in season after the holidays. We got three weeks left in the season right now. Gridiron West, week 12. Uh, the Wolverines, 16-0. and 0. They are in the battle. They're at the bottom of the barrel, 2-8 two two and eight in this matchup against Swan City, who is 0-7-1. That was a battle pretty much of the lower-tier teams in Gridiron West. And uh, Wolverines obviously stand out, 16-0. Very tough defensive battle as well. And then the champs, Perth Blitz, 6-0 to zero against Perth Broncos, the Battle of Perth. And that was a clash, a defensive clash. Uh, it was a 6-0 to zero victory. Uh, so it was really good, uh, good matchup there as well. And you get the recap there at uh, communitynews.com AU from the article there. We're going to week 13 this coming weekend, January 11th. Swan City, who literally sits at 0-7-1 looking for a victory, uh, taking on Curtin. Saints week 11 that was a loss 14 to 0 to uh to Perth by the Curtain Saints so they got to stay neck and neck here because they're 4 5 and 0 oh. uh, only the top four teams make the playoffs they're right outside of that mark and then Perth Blitz will be facing Rockingham Vipers this is the battle of 7 and 1 teams in this league so uh Luis this is going to be a clash uh Perth and Vipers, Vipers, brand new team here, but they're showing their muscle here and very competitive. So seven and zero 
um, win in week 11 against Swan City. That's what the Vipers are coming off, that big win, 7-0 defensive battle. Every team in this league, based on scores this season, has played a very tough, tough, uh, non-high-scoring matchups. So that's got to tell you that this league is very competitive. Yeah, it definitely seems like it um, down there in Australia. So they're growing. They're getting better. You know, I saw that they named their national Australian coach for two for the you know 2021 championships, and the coach had 30 years of experience, and so of coaching. So they've got some good stuff going on down there, and it sounds like they're. It, it, you don't see blowouts. You definitely don't see the same type of blowouts as you see in the states. So. Um, at least it seems like things and are it's a little a more faster, equal. It's a faster game as well. So we're playing 9-9-9 on most of the yeah. leagues down there. I think there's only one league that plays 11-11. But that's mm-hmm. uh, still a tribute to them. Um, so it's going to be a mm-hmm. huge weekend. Week 13, kind of a, a playoff-deciding weekend in Gridiron West. Swan City will take on Curtin Saints. It is the Perth Blitz, the champions, taking on Rockingham Vipers. That is the game that we're going to be monitoring. That's the game that we're going to be keeping tabs on. And it is a battle of seven and one teams there. Uh, week 14 will end the season, January 19th. Perth Blitz will finish with Swan City. And then Rockingham Vipers will um, meet up with Perth Broncos. So at the standings right now, Blitz seven and one, Vipers seven and one, Broncos five, three and one, four, five and zero. And uh, the bottom two are two and eight, which is the uh, West Coast Wolverines and the South, uh, the um, Swan City Titans at this point. Uh, I think Troy's on now. Troy, you on? Hey, how's it going, guys? Troy. Hey, Troy. Um, Troy, what happened to Alabama? You know what? Alabama, and this is, you can't say this too often, okay? But Alabama just got beaten down. They got out physical. They got out coached. You really can rarely say that. I don't recall a time where I can remember a Nick Saban coach team, especially at, at Alabama, where the team was just flat-out beaten up. Um, it was a 28-point loss, largest deficit that Nick Saban has ever lost by. So I think everyone was pretty shocked when it happened, and they weren't shocked that Clemson won. Um, I think it was really like a 50-50 split. I mean, I'm not going to go out the Vegas stats here. But at least, you know, most of the people that I talked to, including myself, by the way, I just felt like, you know, Clemson's defensive line. Yeah, I know that Alabama has Quentin Williams and, and they have um, uh, Jonah uh, Williams on, on the, on the uh, offensive line. Quentin Williams plays the defensive line. And he's an all, he's just all-world player. But Clemson has four guys on that defensive line that you are going to see play on Sundays, including, you know, the guy that, that uh, took Dexter um, – uh, Dexter Lawrence's place, and so they still had all of these horses up front. Not to mention the linebackers—they can—they're big and they can run with—they can run with running backs. I just felt like Clemson had the better defense, but I thought Tua would have had a better game. I really did. I mean, especially building on what he—he he built on off that championship year that he had last year, and you saw this year—you had never seen Alabama that explosive on offense since Nick Saban's been there. One of the critici- one of the criticisms uh, of Nick Saban coach teams is that the quarterback is usually, you know, um, 
uh, you know, quite average, if you will, um, at least from when, we, when you're looking at elite quarterbacks. They really never had one. I guess the best one they've had before Tua was probably A.J. McCarron, um, you know, who is, who is also right now the backup in the NFL. But, man, you thought Tua would have came on like game busters. But, but this kid that Clemson had, Lawrence, he is the, he's one of the – he's the best freshman I've ever seen. Flat out, hands down, he's the best freshman quarterback I've ever seen. The guy, six six two fifteen, he can throw the ball. He can he he has a gun for him. And the poise that he showed out there, especially in, in you know with the lights being as bright as they were, on that kind of a stage, you got to take your hats off to him. And, and look, you got to also take your hat off to Dabo Sweeney. If you follow college football, when Dabo Sweeney was hired at Clemson. It was it was basically a blip on the radar. Nobody knew that this guy was going to come in and turn that program around like that. I mean, this is you know if you you know go back to the '80s where Clemson was dominant then, you had no idea that a guy Dabo Sweeney, who was also used to play for Alabama, would come into that Clemson program and completely turn it around with that kind of enthusiasm. But I try. Like I mean, I'm going to give you a heads up. I think Jesus knew because that's what we were told. Oh. That's the only person I knew. I mean, that's the only person I knew. But you know what? you got to take your hats off to that team. They have just as many five-star, four-star recruits as Alabama does. Alabama, of course, gets all the pub, and deservedly so, you know, winning the national yep. title, as many, playing as many national title games. We're just used to seeing Alabama that. But we are not used to seeing a team basically take a chunk of concrete and hit Alabama in the face, and Alabama couldn't do anything about it. They really look like, you know, they, they had no idea what they could do with that Clemson team. They ran into a buzzsaw last night. And you know what? you got to take your hat off to that Clemson team. Overall, they just look like the better team from start to finish. And it was a great performance by the Tigers out there. Troy, the third and longs, uh, red zone uh, malfunctions, plus the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the bad interceptions, uh, all that contributed to the loss because I think that really put the gap out. Once they got, once uh, as uh, Luis said, once the Clemson D got confidence, it was just shutdown mode from there. And listen, one of the one of the bigger things, one of the criticisms um, for Tua Tagovailoa is that he he is a little haphazard with the ball. But you know what? You get that with a gunslinger. Okay, this guy can sling it around the yard. He has the ultimate confidence in his arm. He has the ultimate ultimate confidence in what he saw. And you saw right you, after he threw that pick six. In the beginning of the game, he went to the yep. sideline. You know, they he had a co- he had a talk with it with the offensive coordinator Mike Loxley, who's now also going to be the head coach of uh, University of Maryland. And he just went over to him. He said, "I know what I did wrong. I saw it. Don't worry, I, I got it." Came out the very next drive, throws a throws a sixty six yard touchdown. So that's the kind of confidence that he has. But he just seemed to be befuddled, and you have to take your hats off to to that Clemson defense. I mean, they really really had an excellent game plan. And I just remember the sack that they had with Mullen. He's the corner. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Mullen is the mm-hmm. safety. Came in motion with the wide receiver. And typically what a quarterback wants to see that, when, when, when a quarterback sees that, that the, that the guy's walk, he's, he's going with the man that's in motion, you have to get man to man. And Mullen ended up blitzing right off the corner, right off the snap of the ball. And Tua had yep. taken his eye off of that. He's going through his reads on the right-hand side. He had no idea he was coming. And it's that kind of things where you're switching up the looks that Tua is going to get. 
They know he's a smart quarterback, but listen, as smart as he is, he's still a college kid. He still hasn't seen everything. He's not. He doesn't have the, you know, the experience of, of say, a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, where he can recognize these things. And they really took advantage of that. That, that Clemson defense really took advantage of that with their game plan and their film study. Again, I thought that I really think that Clemson, as a defensive unit, does not get enough credit because they have complete all-stars on there, and they have a great leader on that defensive side of the ball. Troy, I feel for you last night because I think you and Mackenzie were just going back and forth, but uh, a lot of L's for you. That's what she claims. She'll be on here in a couple minutes. You can go back and forth uh, with you know whatever. What? Here's, the, here's the thing with Mac, right? So Mac thinks I'm, I was rooting for Alabama. I wasn't. I, I already picked Clemson to win this, and I didn't put that on Twitter and things like that. But, I mean, you know, I was kind of late coming back home. I didn't get a chance to put out what I felt was going to happen. But I felt all along that Clemson was going to win this game. But with mm-hmm. her, when she was trying to take Jalen Hurts and putting him in the game, that's not going to beat that Clemson defense. They are fast, they are fast enough to catch up with Jalen Hurts. They're, the speed that Jalen Hurts has, is not going to fade that Clemson defense. And so you what think, you needed out Troy, there was passing. You think if Jalen Hurts was going to come in, you'd think Saban would have made that change in the second half, in the, I mean, the before the half, if he thought it was a more of a panic mode, but he still had confidence in Tua. The, the bottom line is, like you said, the Clemson D really did their job, and they forced, uh, you know, Alabama to really struggle on third and long, struggle in the red zone, and then the two interceptions. It really well boils down to, and then, it, you know, he even said it in the press conference. He was just literally, literally a matter of getting out coached, and so that's reality right there. He, that's I think he felt it more this time because of the excitement on the other side, where they didn't let down. They kept doing their thing. I mean, they could have scored sixty points if they really wanted to, but I think they held back. Without question, without question, I think really like toward the end they called they called the dogs off. But I mean, yeah. Brent Venables does not get the credit that he deserves. I really think that's really what was the difference in the game. And think about it from Alabama's standpoint. If you're Alabama, do you go into this game, do you change up anything that you've done the past year, the past two years, the past three years? No, you don't. You just come out there, you've beaten enough teams, including that same Clemson team. You've beaten enough teams with your formula with what you do. And they actually became a product of being very predictable with some of their things. And Brent Venables saw this. They don't. They really don't change what they do. They become more dynamic, but they don't change what they do. I mean, they they, they come out, they execute, and they play. They don't they don't change their offense to what the defense is doing. And Brent Venables he capitalized on that beautifully. He knows what you know. He, he knows what two is looking for and how he goes through his reads and progressions. And I just think it was just an excellent game plan by these guys. I really, really just don't think that they get enough credit for that game plan because they shut down a really high-powered offense, one, probably one of the more prolific offenses in college football this year. All right. So um, let's move on to the NFL wild card round here. Uh, Luis, your Cowboys get the win. They edge Seattle 24th. And what a win. Gallup and company as well as Prescott. And so uh, it was basically up to um, it was up to Russell Wilson to win the game for Seattle because 
it literally looked like that defense wasn't really playing that hot. But reality is uh, Dallas edges, and they go to Los Angeles now. So huge win for uh, the Cowboys. I thought that was a great game. I mean, it was kind of funky in the sense that what happened to the kicker, and then it comes down to an onside kick that didn't go well. And what's what's unique about that game is that you don't see drop kicks anywhere. And we had a rugby girl on the Falcons two years ago that she would drop kick the extra points, and she would drop kick our um, onside kicks just for fun because she could do it. And so it was kind of cool and unique. So to see that in the NFL was kind of different. I thought Dallas had that wrapped up when they were up by 10 with two minutes left. They should have had the game. They should have had another touchdown a few minutes before that that they threw an interception in the in the end zone. Um, but then I started getting worried when Russell Wilson, they went for two and got it, so they were only down by two. And uh, I, I thought it was a great game. I mean, you can talk about the nuts and bolts of it all and and Seattle should have a different game plan or whatever, you know. But I just think it was a good game, and I was glad Dallas won because I thought Dallas played tough, and I thought Dax played really well, and Ezekiel. And uh, I don't have a ton of hope that they're going to beat your Rams. Um, I think the Rams are a better overall team, definitely, and they're playing at home. But um, you got to play the game. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, you got to play the game. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, uh, Troy, go ahead. I think, I think that Dallas has a, more of a chance than people are giving credit for, and, and it's for this reason. Dallas can run the football, and Dallas can play defense. And that That's, really is, is the biggest equalizer. The Rams D is the worry, right? The Rams D is the yeah. worry because they've played softball. Yeah. Yeah, and they can't they can't stop the pass. I mean, despite yep. the amount of talent that they have on that side of the ball and the great coaches that they have over there, for some reason they can't slow anyone down. And yep. I think that really plays into Dallas's hands if they can take care of the football. The issue is is that you know despite even with this last game they were they were a little bit haphazard with the football, and so and, and you saw that also in the not the last game of the season but the second to last game of the season. They didn't look good out there. I mean, they were dropping the ball against Tampa. They had threw interceptions, fumbles. If they can take care of the football, they have a shot to win. But I do think that the the L.A. Rams are just way too powerful, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And listen, on defense, they are opportunistic. And if they can move around that defensive front, man, you know how scary those guys are and how fast that defense is. They're a fast, slow defense. They had a lot of rest. So I think it's going to be an exciting game, but I think Dallas does have a little bit more of a chance than people are giving him credit for. Hey, uh, Luis, are we getting rid of Jason Garrett if he loses to the Rams? Are we on that bandwagon again? Oh, man. Uh, Come on. Come on, get it out of you. I still don't think Jason Garrett's the man to take him to the Super Bowl. I think the trade for Cooper was a big deal. And it just changed, It just gave them that weapon, and he stayed healthy, and uh, they just kind of got on a run. And Dak made some good plays, and, you know, the defense obviously is very good to a certain degree. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've just not been a Jason Garrett fan. I don't think they'll get rid of him, though. 
sadly. Mackenzie wants to get Mackenzie wants to get rid of him. She's been on that. I know. Oh, Garrett, get oh rid my of God. Bandwagon. I want. I want. I need rid of him so bad. I don't care how good the Cowboys do. Oh God, can't do it. Can't do it. Mackenzie, uh, since we got you on, what is Luck gonna do this time around? You think he's gonna come through? Indianapolis looks sharp. They look very good, and they look scary. They're focused. Their run game's pretty good, they, and he's been playing pretty good do, ball for the last couple of weeks. They do. They look great all the way around, which is uh, very scary and very still mind-blowing to me, especially with Andrew Luck having been out for almost two year, two seasons and then coming back and making as much of a statement as he has. Um, I, they are definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, I'm still taking the Chiefs in that game, though. You are taking the Chiefs in that game, right? Yes, I am. They're going to be – I'm taking the Chiefs by a touchdown. Yeah, I, I I don't – you know, I don't want to go against Kansas City, but I just have this feeling that uh, this Colts D is, is coming to play. The offense is complementary right now, but their defense, Frank Wright's got them focused, and they got nothing to lose. They're 1-5 coming into this thing. And they're into the playoffs now. They got nothing to lose. They're two games away from a Super Bowl. You got to you got to think these guys. Uh, the next opponent, if you're in that locker room, Troy, the next opponent is the best team in the AFC. These got to get past the best team in the AFC on the road. Listen, I, I I love the Colts. I love the the the, the moxie and the strength that they play with. I love the fact that. The, the Indianapolis Colts finally got smart. They got luck healthy. They also got them some maulers up front. I mean, this offensive line an absolute beast. I mean, I love watching these guys play. I, mean, I love watching Nelson. I mean, everybody's seen the video by now where he's coming and he's screaming out loud and he trucks, the, he trucks Barry Church for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That guy single-handedly has set the attitude for the Colts in that in that offensive line, so I think this is going to be a shootout. And but the, here's the thing on on defense, the Colts aren't going to be able to cover two of the Chiefs to death. They can't because you got a guy over there, Tyreek Hill, that can take the top off the off the off the defense. You got a, a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who can put those you know he can throw the ball into those spots into those voids in the zone. So. The big question is, how are the Colts going to combat them? Now, they can run. The Colts are fast on defense. But, listen, the Chiefs are just a whole different animal. That offense that they have is just it's, it's just at another level. But I will say this. Ever since Hunt was taken out off of that team, the Chiefs have become a different team. They're a little bit more vulnerable. So, you know, are they going to be – they can't rely on that running game anymore. And with, with, um, with Kareem Hunt back there, they definitely had just – they had it all on offense. And not to mention, the Chiefs had the same problem that the Rams had. They can't stop anybody. And so, is Andrew Luck, this is not Andrew Luck of, you know, uh, two years ago where, this, you know, he was not getting protection. This guy, he is going to be able to dissect this Chiefs defense down to the to the bone. And they have already had that's problems. Why, Troy, that's why so I'm mentioning a, it, that this is a scary thought because they're coming in with that mindset where, they got in. They had a horrible season to begin with. Nobody believes in them. If you if you listen to their uh, 
their locker room speeches after each win, the, the, their coach is, is inspiring. He's going, hey, we got nothing to lose. Nobody even gave us a damn. So going into Kansas City, I think their mindset is just one game to win, one game to win. And uh, to your point, yeah, I, I think that we're, uh, Kansas City's on the same boat that Los Angeles is. Uh, uh, defensively, they still have gaps, and they're not. They haven't been able to do that. And losing their weapon on offense really hurts them. Um, Mackenzie, you're taking the Chiefs. Uh, Luis, you're taking the Chiefs. Yep, I am. I'm going. I'm Chiefs. You're taking Chiefs. Uh, Troy, you're taking Chiefs. I gotta go, Chiefs, man. It's an Arrowhead. You got, you know, the MVP. Um, I, I got to go Chiefs on this one, but I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I want to lean toward the Colts, but that's too many upsets in one pick in one week. So I'm gonna go Chiefs on this one. I want to do that too, but I just have a feeling that they're gonna get edged. They're gonna play very, very well, but they might get edged. So uh, I, I would have to take Kansas City at home at this point, based on everything that's happened. But they're gritty, and it would not surprise me if Indianapolis pulls the upset there. It would not surprise me. Um, Mackenzie. Hey, real quick. Real quick, ahead. I want to say this. Vegas has the line right now at Kansas City at minus five and a half. What do they know wow. that we don't know? What yeah. do they know that we don't Because I'm serious. Yeah. You got the highest scoring in the NFL, and they only getting five and a half? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, somebody smells that too. So, I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. Yeah. We can put cash out there. I'm good. Mackenzie, yeah, Mackenzie. What about the Saints here? Uh, They're at home, and so you think they're going to continue on their road? Yeah, I do. Actually, I I I contemplated this uh, probably the at least the past week or so, and I really think. Drew Brees and Alan Kamara and, and Mark Ingram, they're all gelling so well together. And I, I just – I finally think their defense is in a spot to where they're matching play with their offense to where they can keep – the Saints can keep rolling um, for a couple more games. It just depends on who, you know, who that next opponent is after you know, these one-and-done games if they keep winning. All right, so you're on the you're on the Saints bandwagon. You're you're staying with the Saints, right? It's just too much not to be on on as a favorite, right? Yeah, and in, and and it, although my Cowboys did beat them in uh, the regular season, you still you can never count out Drew Brees ever. That's about as dumb as a mistake as counting out Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Other than the fact that Green Bay's not in the playoffs. <laughs> Louise, uh, what's the key here for for the Saints? The Saints really they come in as favorites against the Eagles. Eagles have a tendency to do what they did to Chicago. If they can pull one out, uh, I feel bad for the Chicago Bears kicker at this point. But uh, last night was a similar situation in the in the uh, college football game. <laughs> but uh, regardless, the Eagles have nothing to lose here. They're de- they're the defending champs. They're, and they're playing, and they're peaking at a good time. They're going with Foles once again to save save themselves here, and they're playing good defense. So, uh, Saints against Eagles here, who are we taking? Okay, my first comment is I was stunned when Chicago missed the kick, and it bounced twice. Just stunned, just like the rest of the world. So, 
Anyway, the, the Eagles are lucky to be in, I guess, if you want to call it. But I just don't think that they have – I think Chicago would have given um, better chance of beating the Saints than the Eagles do. Now, I know you can't count out Foles um, and the belief that they have in him and all that kind of stuff, but I just think the Saints are primed and ready and – uh, of course, they got my boy Taysom Hill that's like a league and fan favorite as Mr. Do-It-All. And uh, my my son actually wears his uh, number with with uh, with the Saints. It's not an official Saints jersey, but it's kind of close to it, uh, with Taysom Hill jer- shirt. Um, so, and they're at home in the Dome. I just think it's their time. It's just their time. All the intangibles, plus they have talent. So, Troy, we're going to Saints too here uh, because they're 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 tough to beat at home. You know what? They are tough to beat at home. They're six and two at home. You don't really count one of those losses that they had. It was you know little 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 fluky and you know end of the season. So, man, I, I just don't see Drew Brees allowing the the defending chance to come in there and beat them. Um, especially in that dome, it's going to be so loud in there, so loud in that dome. And I, I just, I really think that the Saints, they shored some things up in the secondary. Um, you know, their pass rush is, is getting up, but you know what starts to drink is, is you know, uh, Drew Brees and that passing offense, and then you got Alvin, uh, Alvin Kamara uh, out of the backfield. I just really think that they have too much for the Eagles. You got to love how the Eagles came back this year after all of the injuries that they have. Uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive backs. But Jim Schwartz to get these guys to play the way that they go down the stretch and, the, and, the, and the, to get into the playoffs. And then also taking a game with the Bears and then going with them, these guys toe-to-toe and, and keeping that score down, you got to take your hats off to them. But I just think really right now the Saints are just going to be way too much for the Eagles. So give me the Saints. Right now they got the line at eight even, uh, minus eight for the Saints. I think that's a little bit – I think that should, that's perfect, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, give me the Saints on this one. All right, Mackenzie, we're going over to New England, and they get in. They're, we were talking about how they're going to miss the playoffs. They're probably not going to get in. They own the AFC East. They've owned it for so long now, it's like a guarantee that they're going to get into the playoffs. They're here. And you got the team in L.A. They can't even put up 3,000 people in a stadium. On the road, they've been road warriors all season. If they get over – in New England, this is a huge deal. Oh boy, this one's been <clears throat> this one's been rattling my brain too. I'm not gonna lie, um, mainly because the Patriots. I mean, regardless of how dominant they've been, um, you know, the past decade, maybe more. This season hadn't quite been the dominance that we that as far as we're used to seeing from the New England Patriots. Which makes me wonder what they're gonna be like in postseason or the rest of postseason I should say. Um I honestly I'm not even sure Oof, I'm not even sure if I could pick. Um Flip yeah, a coin. Flip a coin. Oh Gorge, I, I just go. You know, 
Just for history's sake, I'm going to have to go with the Patriots. Okay, so you're taking New England with Belichick. Yes, yeah. All right, so Troy, you're at this. Yeah, I I don't know about that. I I can't go with the Chargers myself because I have a feeling that they always kind of disappoint in this sense, and Philip Rivers has that intangible in the playoffs to just throw a lot of interceptions. So I'm kind of like reserved. Troy, I have been calling for this team to finally get it together years now. And they have finally made it. There's no way I'm picking against the, the L.A. Chargers. There's no way I'm picking against them. Here's the good thing that, that, that I like about this team. They now have, have a defense that is strong. Their defense, they can rush the passer. They can cover fast quarterbacks. They can, cover, they can stop the run. It doesn't matter what you do. They can adjust to it. You saw how they played against Baltimore last week. And, um, you know, the, the way they stopped Baltimore and their, and, and their running game was just amazing. Now, the Patriots, they're running the ball a little bit more this year. They got Sonny Michel. Uh, he's a rookie. He had 900 yards this year, six touchdowns. He's really allowed them to have a lot more balance and kind of take the pressure off of Tom Brady. As a matter of fact, Tom Brady is throwing for, you know, a little bit less yardage than he usually has and less, less touchdowns also, which is a great thing for him. He gets to extend his career a little bit. But I think how are they going to have that balance in the playoffs? The Patriots, of course, are undefeated at home. And so, but I think the Chargers right now, the way Phillip Rivers is playing, they have uh, Keenan Allen, who has been healthy all year, thankfully, finally. The, the key is going to be Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, he's had, you know, knee problems all year. He sprained his knee also against Baltimore last week. Is he going to be available? I don't think having a guy like Austin Eckler is going to be enough to beat the Patriots, but I think Melvin Gordon is going to play, and I really believe that the Chargers are going to pull the upset this week. I just really like the way they played all year. They're twelve and four. The only reason that they're the fifth seed is because the you know their their division made the, the, the Chiefs, you know, kind of um, you know they won an extra game more than they did in the right place. But the Chargers can definitely run with that team. They can run with Kansas City. I definitely believe they can run with the Patriots this year. Give me the Chargers. And as a matter of fact, I think the Chargers are going to win by more than a touchdown this year. That's my opinion. Troy, you're going, on the Miami, you're going on the Miami Dolphin formula to beating Brady, huh? You're thinking Absolutely. the Chargers are going to pull that? Absolutely. I think the Chargers have the defense to do it. Bosa is back. You know, but Melvin yeah. Ingram, he's coming up. I don't think the Patriots have seen pass rushes like that this year that can compare to those two guys. And I just think this year is just going to be different. Phil knows it's going to be different. He knows his time is closing. I think he's so hungry for, for you know, getting himself a title. And I think that that organization wants that badly for him too because they love that guy to death. So I just really think that the Chargers come out here with the victory, man. I really feel this in my bones. I really feel that this is going to be the upset pick of the week. All right. So, you're uh, Mackenzie, you're taking Chargers. Um, and Troy, you're taking Chargers. Yep. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take New England. So I really think the experience is gonna be a factor, and Rivers hasn't sold me yet on everything. And so, if anything, the defense will save him. So I could be wrong, but I'm going with the tradition 
which is in New England at home to be to get beat at home. It's very rare when that happens, but all right. So you guys taking charges? I'm taking Patriots. Uh, Mackenzie, let's get your pick. You're taking the Rams right over the Cowboys this weekend. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, you're funny. You. Uh, no, absolutely not. Although I had to get you to kind of hype unpopular, up a little. <laughs> I have an unpopular opinion. Well, it's not really unpopular, but and she had a sore throat, by the way, uh, Troy, and that rose rose up pretty quick. Uh, um, I'm gonna go Dallas by three in overtime. You're gonna take overtime, but I'm I, Rams by ten. Here it is, right there. Rams Hell by ten. No. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let, let me, Hell no, yeah. No, let me put it to you this way. Jared Goff in that offense with Todd Gurley is very electric. It's very high. You're going to see that's, mustard that's and blue thing. all day. Mustard and blue all day in the end zone. See, Everett. y'all are going to see the silver and blue all day because Demarcus Lawrence is The Aaron, only threat you got is and, Elliot. And, and if no, Elliot can no, get his pick, it's the only threat you, you got is no, Elliot. No, do, you know who, do you know who Amari Cooper is? Okay, thank you very much. I have no idea who he is. Um, you know, Former Raider. Who, who, do you know who Blake Jarwin is? Okay, thank you very much. Um, do you know who Dak Prescott is? Darwin from Stone Age? Okay, cool. Thank Come you very on. Much. So, again, we have more more threats than you think. You you and, and I and everybody else in the football nation, all of us know, if Omari Cooper gets off, you're toast. And we also know he has hands. The, the, the Eagles. I'm more worried about Gallup than I am worried about Amari Cooper. I worry about I'm Gallup. I'm not worried about Amari Gallup, Cooper. honestly, because he doesn't get enough targets. Amari Cooper gets about two or three more targets than he does. That's two or three more times that y'all defense. I can tell you, Allen going down, Allen going down with the ankle hurts you. That's one of the, yeah, the issues that you have. Yeah, is, 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 is technically is technically listed as, as a backup. Is he not? Okay. No, so right. Now that we got that. I'm just saying, um, you had some extra no, up you're not there. Gonna, you're no, down a weapon. 10. It ain't going to be it 10? Why? Not 10. It'll be a 3.3. Right. You okay. only have 10. So I'm going with 10. Rams by Come 10. On. Mustard all day. Goff. No. Woods. The Roberts. All day. I'm good. No. All right, Troy. No. You're taking Cowboys, Troy, or are you taking Rams? I'm going to go. Los Angeles Rams in a blowout. See, Rams- see, Troy's been taking much- L's from me all season, so it doesn't surprise <laughs> me he picks the Rams. Oh He's been God. taking L's all season. <laughs> all right, Mackenzie, I'm going to tell you right now, in true spirit, you're not going to get me to say that the Rams aren't going to win, just like you're, you're saying. <laughs> it's kind of a loose debate here. Rams about 17. Hey, what? you go 17. I gave her 10. I gave her 10. Delusional. We're just messing with you. Ten. We're messing with you. I think it's going to be a touchdown. I really you think two. it's going to be a touchdown. You too. Oh, hell. I can't yeah, we, we just gave you a high blood pressure, period. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, was, I can't. Um, we're just hey, we like to we like to poke the salty bear sometimes. It's just fun. Uh, you know, it's a, I swear it's everybody's hobby. It's cool though. It's cool. It. it is cool. It is cool. <laughs> you know, and I you know, and I know 
it's going to be about that about the the points you're going to say. It's 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 going to be under seven, three to seven. It's got to be. And it's going to the run game is pretty pretty uh pretty well for for Dallas if they play their game against like they played Seattle. The Rams, as uh, Troy has alluded here, we have issues on defense, so that's going to be a big issue. So yeah, there's there's it's going to be. I think it'll be a, a closer game than we think. It's probably going to be under seven. I will give it at most, if I have to up the point value, I'll give it exactly seven points. If I'm sticking with what I already said, it'll Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with Troy. 17 sounds good for me, but that's not going to happen, I don't think. <laughs> no. You too. <laughs> oh, hey, no. I'm just saying, Mustard and mustard and Navy is going to be looking really good on Saturday. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm rooting for. All right, so let's uh, let's go into a serious note here, um, Mackenzie. Uh, you, uh, we came out with the news uh, last week or week before, and we were having the issue with the you know you played in the IWFL and you've played in the WFA. The WFA apparently has a statute where they allow transgender players or athletes to participate on teams. At the time of this incident that happened with the transgender. Situation: The IWFL did not allow, I guess, a transgender player to be on a squad. The Minnesota uh, Minnesota Vixen has stated it's not that they didn't want to allow the players; that the the league uh, statute was that they don't allow a player. Yes, this topic is very touchy. Um, to be honest, I'm I'm glad that. Uh, I am glad that Christina has got the justice that she deserves. Um, and as I was reading the article, it just, it was mind-blowing to me um, that, you know, we're in a world that, you know, we, not most of us, but a good portion of us believe in equality across the board. I would think that doesn't just stop at women playing men's sports. I would think it would be the same for um, transgendered as, um, people as well. Why why should equality stop it just being at a, at a cisgender? I I didn't quite understand that. And I'm 97% positive. And, and as I'm getting verification right now, um, I do know the Minnesota Vixen had a transgendered player on their team in 2016. Um, and I cannot remember this person's name, and I'm going to leave this person's name out of such um, such a topic right now. But I do know for a fact that that was a thing. So, And I'm trying to figure out why it was different then in terms of that person being able to play and then Christina not having that chance to play for the victim. Well, I, need, I think it was stated that um, she tried out, I think, for the Vixen in October of 2016, the rule by the IWFL banned transgender athletes as ineligible players. Um, I guess it was at the time. That's what the, you know, so the policy was set in place by the IWFL a long time ago prior to that. It wasn't, uh, like I'm stating before, it wasn't the Vixen that would not, would not allow the player to play in, on their squad. It was just the league does, would not allow that. So the issue in court really was had nothing to do with um, self. It was the uh, the IWF, IWF policy 
that at that point was found to be uh, discriminatory towards the player. But still, which still to me doesn't make any sense because, and, and maybe like I said, I'm this has been now three three seasons ago, but like I said, I do remember the Minnesota Vixen having a transgender player on their team, but I cannot remember if that was their first year in the WFA or if it was their their last year in the IWFL. I cannot remember. I believe, so it's, in the, I believe it's in the WFA. From what my understanding, that's what I, that's what I think. the that's WFA what I, does a, the WFA does allow does allow that. So um, Mackenzie, we go into the subject of is it because the player is transitioning and because they're taking any type of supplement or they're going to make themselves more powerful than a woman? Um, you know all those debates that come into play um, when you're transitioning. Uh, from one gender to another, or in this sense, I don't think she was transitioning, right? I think she was just um, basically just stating that she was transgender time of uh, when she rostered on. Yeah, I, and the article had even stated that she had quoted, the Christian had quoted that women that were seven inches shorter than her and 70 pounds lighter than her were, you know, laying her out and giving her complete concussions. So I'm not quite sure why such an issue is a thing. I mean, in my own personal opinion, I don't think that should be used as a defense like because they're on, if they were on to, especially if they're going from male to female, I would think. Do you think, Mackenzie, do you think? Drops. On that at on that attitude, do you think it's because of muscle tone that makes it a difference? The muscle tone makes it a difference if you're a man and uh, and transitioning, or a man, uh, you know, signifying yourself as a woman, and now you're, you're playing a woman's sport, and apparently some of the women are going to feel otherwise if they feel like maybe the man's, even though he claims to be a woman at this point, that that's something that it became a situation because. Uh, based on the article, the league prohibited transgender athletes from participating. The rule required players to certify that they are now, and quote, unquote, have always been legally and medically female, unquote. And that was what was stated in the uh, in the court rulings. Um, I believe ex- exterior appearance has a lot to do with it as far as um, obviously how how physically a man looks compared to how physically a woman looks. But in also in the same respect, not all men look the same and not all women look the same. As far as anatomy, all women look the same. As far as anatomy, all men look the same. As far as muscle tone, definition, maturity, such like that, not all men are going to be ripped and shredded and have the same exact muscle tone and not all women are going right. to be fragile looking and, you know, right. so on. And, and, and I, I also think part of it may just go based off of how you look as your, um, what I'm looking for, as your, as you're appearing to be. So like for, and I'll just even use myself as an example. I don't look like a normal female. I am muscular for my size. I am very muscular for my weight. I carry my weight well. I carry my masculinity well. And 
I, I mean, I'm, I obviously I portray myself as a woman because that's what I am. And I feel like any other, you know, any person that's transgender or cisgender, you know, it's about how you carry yourself. It's not, it shouldn't be so much how you look physically. Like, if I look like a girl, then I, I should be labeled as a girl. If you look like a guy, then you should be labeled as a guy. I don't, I don't see why there should be a stipulation on just that alone. I think that's where the jury came into conclusion, as you're stating here. I really, the jury wasn't, I don't think the jury really ruled on whether she had, you know, a a different genitalia. I think the jury ruled on the fact that, you know, she, you know, you know how some, some people look like they're tomboy, you know, even though they're a girl, they act tomboy, they act somewhat male aspects of themselves, but that doesn't mean they're a man, right? Just means that they're a girl and they like, they do it. So I think that's where the basis was with the jury. The jury decided at that point, the discrimination basically became on that merit that you're stating right now. Yeah, and now, like I said, I think I think part of um, as far as the IWFL before not you know having having that situation of medically being a fe- you know being born as a female was probably partly based on exterior appearances of the male female anatomy. I mean, and that's just, it's, it's unfortunately something that still happens today, even though now 2018, 19, we're, you know, we as a society are more open to, to things that are not normal and things that we're not, we weren't grown up with or brought up with or anything like that. Unfortunately, things like that as far as basing opinions and basing stipulations and discrimination from just this, just straight out overall how you look or how you carry yourself, I think is just, it's mind-blowing to me. Like, I just, <laughs> well, I don't even know Troy, what, what do you say. Troy, what do you say on this uh, ruling? Uh, I mean, at this point, the IWFL had put it in place for a reason. I think they were either leery that you were going to get maybe somebody that's male dominated in a female sport in a sense, but based on uh, the league rule, the league's rule required players to certify that they are now and quote, unquote, have always been legally and medically female, unquote. And that was basically the court, what the court had had to decide. So they, they decided that was obviously a discrimination. Are you still there, Troy? We might have lost him. You lost him? Okay. Let me see if I can put him back on there because I don't see him on there. I think he might have dropped off. There we are. See if he comes back up. Hi, Troy, are you there? Um, he might just bounce back up. Um, so, Mackenzie, it's, it was a big deal in a sense because that's probably one of the reasons the WFA, uh, you know, with the times – decided that they had to make a decision on rulings and change their rules. I think the IWFL at the time was probably uh, against it for whatever reason. Um, I'm pretty sure they had their reasons for being against it. But the team, as has been stated in the court rulings, the team uh, obviously did not have an issue with it because they even uh, ended up making their policy change as well. So when they left the IWFL, 
for the WFA, uh, they obviously had to honor with the WFA, which allows trans athletes to participate. Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, and obviously anywhere you go as far as job, sports, you know, recreation thing, any, basically anything formed for entertainment or, you know, what pleasure purposes, I guess, you're going to have stipulations and you're going to have, you know, unfortunate discrimination. You're going to have things of that nature. I mean, it's not always going to be right or fair or, you know, whatever the case may be. Just like you said, you know, maybe the IWSL may have felt some kind of, you know, felt a certain way about having a trans, having transgender players play for their league. Where on the flip side, the WSA seems to be more inclusive of things, you know, of such of that nature. I mean, the fear factor was there, and that's why I'm saying the only thing I can think of is somebody is uh, somebody is coming across by saying they're actually identifying as a man uh, in terms of uh, physicality, but then you know they're uh, they want to be identified as a woman and play on a woman's squad. So the the only fear factor anybody would have would would like I said before would be body mass or an advantage of some sort. That would be the only thing that would prevent you from that. So based on the ruling that the court and the jury decided, they basically ruled that out. They didn't think of it as a factor that, that she should have been allowed to participate in the league, you know, because that wasn't such a, de- a definitive factor, in other words. Yeah, and that's why I was, um, that's why I was more or less, not even more or less, I was extremely ecstatic to hear that she, that Christina had one, um, the case against, you know, on this subject. So um, it makes me wonder um, as far as the IWSL, if they look to maybe revisit this topic or revisit this uh, stipulation that they have as far as um, not allowing transgender players to play in their league. No, right. Um, I mean, Christina Ginther um, just took up the issue because she really felt that she was being discriminated. It wasn't that, I don't think the issue was that she wasn't uh, wasn't going to be allowed to participate. I think she was not being allowed to participate on the assumption of all those other things that we're talking about, because they're all assumptions. And so when the jury took into account that obviously that wasn't a factor, uh, I think the league did a disservice to themselves, but not sitting the player down and explaining her case to it um, and then um, viewing that as a case in itself before you decide to, you know, rule on it. Uh, most leagues usually take a time to do something like that before they come to a final decision before you take the court. Uh, the bottom line is uh, on the ruling itself, it was basically the league's mandate rule that the Vixen had to follow, from my understanding from uh, Laura Brown. Yeah, I, I picked up that same um the same conclusion as you did. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, that's, I've never had a case. Oh, I've never heard of a case since I've been covering the women's league where it's become such an issue. I mean, we've had uh, incidents in the past where some people have indifferences because of, you know, taking on testosterone when you're transitioning and that could be an advantage 
to somebody else that's not taking testosterone. You know what I mean? That kind of deal where you're talking about drugs coming into play for enhancements or an advantage, an advantage situation. So that might become an issue, you know, on a squad or a roster or against an opponent. And I think that's happened in the past, not just in women's football, but in other sports as well. Yeah. And I mean, and again, like I can, you know, I can see both, both sides of this in terms of um, just what we already talked about as far as why the IWFL may or may not have, you know, thought the way they did in terms of out, I don't want to say outright, but essentially outright assuming that, you know, they may or may not have an advantage for being, being from going from male to female um, on the flip side of, and then in such of, you know, you know, using that example of um, Christina stating that they were women significantly shorter and significantly lighter than her, you know, leveling her as far as getting her concussion. So I, I see both sides of this. I just, I just don't quite believe that. I just don't think that that kind of discrimination should be, should be held up, especially in something that's supposed to be inclusive. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's probably other women in the WFA uh, in the, are in the same boat, you know, especially the anybody new to the sport that comes on, um, something like that. It's going to happen. But traditionally, you know, I mean, at this point, it's an issue that had to be addressed. Um, I don't know if she's going to get any type of compensation because at this point we're up in the air in terms of the state of the IWFL which is, you know, she was apparently at this point was going to get some damages. Uh, the jury did award her, I think, $10,000 in punitive damages against the IWFL. And so I don't know if she's, you know, obviously going to get that from them or not. Um, the, I know the Vixen is trying to recover its attorney fees and costs from the league, which, um, you know, I have no idea uh, about the state of the IWFL. And so, Reaching out to them has always been, I would consider a pain in the butt because nobody's been wanting to come on to the show at all or addressing anything on the group boards or anything like that from the leadership. So um, I'll leave it at that. But, uh, you know, the situation is she was awarded um, a $10,000 in punitive damages against the IWFL. So in that sense, I guess it's a win for her. Agreed. Yeah. So, you know, I guess we'll just see, um, you know, if any other news or any other content comes out of the rest of the verdict. Yeah, I mean, at this point, that's um, she's just obviously waiting for cash. <laughs> and sometimes that's never going to happen. That could stretch out for years before you collect your cash, even though the judge says you got to collect. Uh, chasing people down for cash, that's a lot of times not a – doesn't work out basically that's what i'm saying so um so you know we had to talk about it unfortunately it's a big deal um it isn't a factor in the wfa from my understanding as of today based on the bylaws of the w of the wfa and so at the time in that uh incident with the court battle it was a stipulation in the iwfl so that's the uh what we gathered from the reporting and all the reports that we got we gathered up so we wanted to make sure we bring up that topic and it's something that needs to be addressed and pretty much on every team, if not every league um, coaching staffs have to deal with 
staff, the individual, the individual that's trying to get onto the roster as well. Um, and you talked about it, Mackenzie. It's a situation where everybody's got to kind of walk through everything and feel comfortable about it and make sure that everybody's included. And then going forward, it's just focus on the football. Yeah, so like I said, you know, it, it's more or less a step-by-step process as far as um, all parties, not just not just you know one party over there, but all parties included. It's a step-by-step process for you know to feel for everybody to feel comfortable with what's going on, not just like I said, not just one side or the other. Yeah. So um, obviously that's an issue that came about, and so it's something that we have to. Kind of let's keep an eye on and making sure that everything's uh, up and up. But as far as we're concerned right now, she's got no money. As far as I'm, as far as I know, uh, no money's coming to her. Uh, we have no idea what the state of the IWFL is at this point, as we stated before. And so we'll keep eyes on, you know, what happens with the against their uh, case here in terms of compensation. Um, Mackenzie, we got Baffa woman coming up here in another week here. Uh, the FFX Mexico and Mexico 11 on 11 master season coming up in April. They are officially uh, on to 11 on 11 in Mexico now on FX Mexico. Uh, and so that's going to be pretty exciting come April. Um, it's about, I believe four teams, five teams going to play there. And uh, this weekend it was the championship in Italy, the CIFAF championship in Italy, Serene Milano, 19 to 6 victory over underdogs Bologna. That's uh, Nasica del, Roto, del Orto's uh, team as well. And you can catch it at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties via YouTube, uh, via FIDAF TV. And it's, a, it's about two hours of an exciting ball game. Very good defensive battle there. But uh, Sarin uh, Milano wins the Italian uh, Rose Bowl 6, um, and that's 19 to 6. So it was pretty awesome. I don't know if you got a chance to catch it or not. I did not get a chance to catch it, and I'm going to go watch the playback of the game because you said it was a defensive battle, and you know I love defensive battles, so now I have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, it's a really good game. Um, very exciting. We get the recaps there as well uh, on the hub at facebook.com. You get the article there by FIDAP as well, um, the Federation of American Football from Italy, and that's going to be pretty awesome, exciting. Um, and so the Congratulations to Seren Milano. Uh, you also have uh, Nicole, um, the running back for Seren Milano. It's on our Instagram, uh, Erica Nicola. It's on our Instagram. Check it out. Go like her up there. Pretty awesome. Number 13 for the Seren Milano squad as well on our Instagram. So um, I don't know if Troy, Troy, are you still with us? If he dropped off. I'm here. Oh, you yeah. are. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know if you were. Uh, I don't know if I had dropped you off or not. Um, so Troy, there we go. Championship in uh, Italy as well. Seren Milano, nineteen to six, wins wins the Rose Bowl this past weekend uh, against underdogs. So pretty awesome weekend. They call it the Rose Bowl. Man, that's smart, man. I like that. Yeah, you know, that's a great sport, man. I like that. That's a Rose Bowl like six. Ah, I like it. I like it a lot. So, uh, Seren Milano has won the championship 2015, 16, 17, and this is their fourth title. Uh, the last four years, they've been under different names. 
Last year, they won the title under one team. Uh, that was the, their team name, one team. This year, the uh, men's club, Seren Milano, took on uh, and gave them their name. So the Seren Milano team now, 19-6, to but this is literally a, their fourth championship in a row. And this is, and you said this is um, their league has been around six years. So who won it before that? Do you know? Uh, the two the two years prior to that, I believe it was um, the Leferee uh, Leferee uh, squad out of uh, I believe Bologna. Yeah, man, that's 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 straight up domination. And so you know uh, maybe you know this upcoming year we get a little bit of parity in that league. But man, that's straight up domination. You beat. You know, if you win the league, you win the championship four times in a row, you know, you're definitely doing something right. And, um, you know, those other teams, uh, you're going to have to start taking notice as far as what they're doing on that on that franchise over there. Um, Mackenzie and Troy, what do we say of the AAF, the Alliance of American Football? Uh, Troy, have you, have you read up on it at all? No, I'm sorry, I haven't. Okay. Uh, Mackenzie, have you read up on it at all? I have not. Okay, so we're going to be talking about it next week, the week after, and they launch their season on February 9th, which is the the day uh, the week after Super Bowl, and it's going to be on CBS. And so, um, Troy, we talked about it at the top of the hour with uh, Louise. Uh, Jennifer King is going to be uh, basically coaching with the Arizona Hotshots. Jen Welter is going to be coaching with the Atlanta Legends which is uh, Michael Vick's uh, group in the AAF. And then uh, Coach Lori Lucas will be on the Birmingham Iron. So three of these coaches are going to get in. So this is kind of groundbreaking in a way, Troy, because the league is kicking off with the formal females included within the coaching staff. So it's pretty awesome. Hey, man, you know, when I'm sitting here looking at this now, man, they, they got a lot of – you know, they got a lot of people out there, man, some, some well-known folks. I mean, you got Mike Singletary that's going for the Memphis Express. So it's going to be eight teams in this league. Man, this is going to be pretty interesting. Let's check this out. Yeah, I, I didn't even know about this. I mean, that shows where my head's been the last few weeks. But, yeah, I'm going to definitely keep up on this one. This looks good. Yeah, we're going to be talking about it for the next three weeks on the podcast. But uh, the reality is they're giving opportunities to the women on the coaching staff, which is similar to what, you know, Katie Sowers got in San Francisco uh, in this league. So that's pretty awesome. Heinz uh, Ward, I think, is also involved in this league. And uh, so CBS uh, is going to be spotlighting them for, this, for the season. Yeah, I think this is great. I mean, especially, you, you know, you give the ladies a chance to go out there and show what they can do. And, they, and they've done that, as you already alluded to with Jim Welter. With Jim Welter. Um, you know, she's getting experience in coaching. So, I just think this is great. It opens up a lot of avenues for a lot of women that, that are that are already in the game and just basically need an opportunity. And to see them get that opportunity, that's a great thing. It's very inclusionary and you know what the NFL is is, is um you know, they're they're being they're being leaders in this aspect. And now you see, you know, this uh AAF, uh this league, they're doing the same thing. So I, I think that's great. NBA has done it also with um, with women referees and also women, women coaching. And so you're starting to see, you know, a change in the guard, a change in the way we're thinking about sports, especially when it comes to men's sports. 
and to see the women start to take prominent roles in it is just a great thing. Mackenzie, uh, it's a big eight-team league, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. Uh, Jennifer's out on the West Coast. You got Jen over here on the East Coast. You got Lori uh, over in Birmingham. Um, we're going to get to see uh, them three battle it out for the first season, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and just listening to you going back and forth about it, and then hearing, you know, Jen Walters, Miriam, and Jen King's Miriam, and all the other females that are involved in this, it makes me wonder how powerful these teams are going to be and how just dominant they're going to be, especially with all the experience um, with those ladies as well as the um, the former NFL players as well. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting because they're on TV. Um, it's a new new adventure. CBS has taken a gamble on them, basically. We'll see how it turns out. Um, so, you know, the, it seems like it's driven by former players and former coaches, NFL coaches and players. You know, I'm talking about superstars here in general, you know, uh, Michael Vick, uh, Heinz Ward. There's a lot of players on each uh, franchises, basically, that are contributing to that in the front offices. And so, you know, football talent-wise, I think they're going to be fine. This is the lower Troy. This would be considered a kind of like NFL Europa was when the uh, when the NFL wanted to get a breeding system going in Europe at the time. And remember, we had WLIF, the World League of American Football, that was in the states prior to that. So I think this is kind of a secondary, complementary, pro-style league that can still get a player into the NFL. Yeah, I was definitely going to, you know, say the same thing as far as as far as it being complimentary. This isn't more of a, um, or back in the '80s you had the USFL, where there was direct competition against the NFL. But I think this one right here is, is you know, kind of a um, an overflow league, if you will. Uh, some guys that may not have gotten a chance in the NFL, and, and they get a chance to go out there and show what they have. And NFL teams are going to be watching. I mean. So, you know, you got guys that out there uh, who are very familiar. You got Aaron Murray who's going to be a quarterback out there, former Georgia quarterback, also used to play for the for the Chiefs. He's going to be um, a quarterback for, for the Atlanta Legends. And so you got some main players out there. You got coaches out there who are main coaches. Again, we already mentioned Mike Singletary, and you also mentioned Hans War. So, man, I'm going to definitely take a look at this, and I just I, – I think this is really great. I think – you know, the more football you have out there, obviously I'm cheering for it. So, and, and I want to see these guys get a chance. I'm always going to take a look at that, man. So, uh, I'll definitely tune in and watch it. I think this is a balance. Of, uh, you know how everybody's on the practice squad, Mackenzie? I think this is an opportunity for somebody that normally would be on the practice squad to physically play and showcase their, their talent there. So, you're still going to have a practice squad, I think, on NFL teams, but it's an opportunity for – you know, those college players that never got drafted to be on this kind of squad and maybe get noticed and get a second look? I was literally just going to say that, like, verbatim. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it'll be a good chance for, um, just like you said, you know, those scout team players or those practice team players to, you know, get that playing time that they, that they need and want to try to get that second chance, you know, to get to the next level. So I think just from what I've already learned about this new league so far, I think it's already gone miles 
apart from any other, like, I mean, like a G League or anything for basketball or anything like a um, a developmental league. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how this, how this turns out. And, uh, Tori, we got Mike March, San Diego Fleet. So I don't know if I'm going to be rooting for San Diego Fleet, but San Diego has <laughs> got their team. They get rid of the Chargers, and they're bringing in Mike March to guide the San Diego Fleet. Oh, man. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I know you got a little bit of a sore spot for, for Mike Marks, you know, especially this guy being uh, just just a pompous guy. I, I, I never really liked that guy. Just every time he talked, he got on my nerves. So I feel you on that one, man. So, but, I mean, the good thing is that, you know, he gets a chance to get out there and coach again. And I don't know if that's going to help him or hurt him because that guy, man, he, he just had – never liked – I never liked Mike Martz as a coach. I did appreciate Mike Martz as a offensive coordinator. Uh, but, you, you know, you put a microphone in front of his face, and that, that's where the problems start happening, man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, I, I got I to gotta give him his due. He did take us to the Super Bowl, and he did get us to the next level. But as a coach, could never get us to the hump, over the hump. So, But the greatest show on turf is obviously his, so I, I can't take that away from him. Oh yeah, he, hey, look, and that alone should allow him to get some consideration out there, man. He he, he can ne- they can never take that away from him. Yeah. All right, so we got eight teams. We're going to be talking about the uh, Alliance of American Football in the next couple of podcasts here, up to build up to the launch, which is February ninth, two thousand nineteen, the uh, week after the Super Bowl. And so we'll be talking a lot of football in terms of the Alliance and brand new names that we probably never heard of or names that we heard in college but uh, are, are resurfacing. And then we're going to be probably bringing up names that are former NFL players, of course. And so the big news is the Alliance of American Football hires Jennifer King for the Arizona Hotshots, Jen Welter for the Atlanta Legends, and then Lori, Coach Lori Locus uh, for the Birmingham Iron. So we're going to be watching Lolo. for them in terms of – That's Lolo. That's Lolo, yeah. Coach Lolo. So we're, we reached out to her to try to get her in here and see if we can uh, pick her brain in terms of what's going to happen in this new league, new season, everything that's coming up. Um, so it's been awesome. Um, if you guys haven't gone to the shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Greenland Beauties, go there daily, save up to 20% off. You can pretty much get anything you want, hoodies, leggings, T-shirts. Uh, if you do anything, get our No Joke Football slogan shirt. It's pretty easy. It's under 20 bucks especially with 20% off uh, free shipping. If you uh, get Zazzle black for the year, it's about 10 bucks. So help the project out, help us out, spotlight another player out there. And um, Troy, Brooke Leash getting ready for mile high. Um, she's uh, actually officially now going to be in Denver from what I was told. So uh, I think the blaze and win uh, flat autonomy right there. She's, she's building up uh, a division two WFA powerhouse. And we're not going to see it until it hits the ground and onto the, onto the actual games. But from, based on the off season, the phenom is in Denver. Can you? I, I'm I'm really excited to see how that transition goes, man. That, that, that that's going to be a great transition because you know Mile High was not a bad team last year, and you know I I just think adding her, being able to be the playmaker that she is at quarterback position, I think that puts them in a different light. I'm really excited for her. 
Um, I know there was a lot of turmoil with the last team, and, you know, just regardless of who's at fault. But I think it was it's better that she gets to change the scenery and she gets a chance to, you know, also just be the, the, the outright starter instead of sharing minutes with another quarterback. So I'm interested to see how she transitions in that. And I, I know she'll do well. I think she's she's just an excellent player. So I, I'm definitely going to be excited and keep my eye on her, too. And uh, let's not uh, forget, Mile High will be on the Nine News in Denver. They're doing a three-part documentary. Um, as soon as that comes out, uh, from what I'm told, uh, it's going to be put out there, and we will go ahead and share it and check it out. But Mile High Blaze will be doing a three-part documentary. Uh, well, I mean, the Nine News, excuse me, in Denver, will be doing a three-part documentary on Mile High Blaze. So as soon as that comes out, we're, we'll, we're all over it and uh, post it up and all that stuff. Um, there is some sad news to report um, on the front at the uh, page. Unfortunately, um, in Mexico, there was a... Uh, there was a uh, player that passed away this past weekend, um, and unfortunately, it was down south in Chiapas. Uh, she was probably one of the prominent players in the in the country. She was on the um, teams that were obviously competing in the regionals uh, the last time around, and she was a, really a dominant player in terms of her league. Um, so it was uh, Oyoki Kano. Oyoki Kano was a uh, on the club of the uh, Bears of Chiapas, uh, also was on the uh, national selection team, the regional team, and part of the Amazonas. And she passed away uh, this uh, past weekend. So uh, thank you to Cuarto Porter Mexico for giving us that insight. But uh, sad news in Mexico, unfortunately. Yeah, my condolences go out to the families and. You know, uh, you know, that's it, never, never an easy thing to deal with. So, uh, you know, my condolences goes out to the family. I'm sorry for that loss. Yeah. Yeah. Number five was pretty instrumental. Yeah, my condolences go out to those teams down there and families and friends of uh, that young lady. So it was a really kind of a blow to him because he was really a prominent up-and-coming player. Um, one of her inspirations was obviously to make the national team, but uh, it's not going to happen now, of course, unfortunately. But uh, but she was a, uh, a very, uh, what do you call it, admired player in the region. And so Oyoki Kano uh, passes away. So um, our condolences once again to her family and the Chiapas community out there of the uh, Bears of Chiapas. All right. Um, it's never fun when we have to kind of come up with, you know, those kind of stories, unfortunately. But uh, thanks to our network partners down south for giving us that scoop and uh, allowing us to go ahead and uh, spotlight her and her journey and her contributions to the sport as well in Mexico. So, um, guys, um, I don't know. I'm getting ready for this weekend NFL Divisional round, it's going to be a pretty exciting weekend. Um, I know I was on Twitter most of the last weekend. Um, so if you haven't checked out our podcast, um, over 254 podcasts, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us some feedback. Let us know how Mackenzie's doing. Let us know how Troy is doing, how I'm doing, how Luis is doing. Give us some feedback on Apple Podcasts. Rate our podcast. Tell us what we need to do, how to improve. Um, starting in uh, February, 
uh, we are going to be taking comments on Twitter live as we're live on the show. Uh, we're going to be taking comments and you can add to the reply off the podcast post and then also on our Facebook page. So we'll keep tabs on that as well uh, as we're live. A lot of people want us to want to chime in on certain things. We'll take some posts um, and we will address those and each host co-host here will go ahead and try to answer those as we get them in. So you guys are welcome to do that starting in February 1st, first podcast in February. We're going to go with Twitter live and we're going to go with Facebook uh, on our gridiron at the hub. And so uh, you guys can send in your, uh, your questions, comments on our Facebook or on our Twitter feed. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Right, Mackenzie? Oh yeah. You know, I love, you know, I love to interact with people on social media. My thing, kind of my shtick. I love it. So we're going to go, go that route and see how it goes. Um, and we talked about that in the past about it. And so now we're going to go pretty much live February 1st, um, the first week, the first podcast in February, we'll do the, uh, the interaction on Twitter and on Facebook, which I think should help us out tremendously, but go to tune in as well. Leave us a post there, give us some ratings. Hopefully it's high fives, uh, player FM as well. And always you can leave comments here on block talk radio. So, uh, pretty awesome season. Uh, so far 2019 has been awesome. We have big news in March coming up. I can't disclose anything right now, but we got big news in March coming up. We got things brewing as well. And so we're going to try a couple of new things coming into the WFA and uh, WNFC season. And that should be awesome and, and kind of excited to see how that's going to turn out. Um, FX Mexico is going 11 on 11 master's season coming up in April. We're really excited about that. BAFA women week three. Um, we're going to get the preview from double coverage up this week uh, on our, at the hub at facebook.com. Force us gridiron beauty. So check it out as it comes out. So we'll uh, kind of keep tabs on Bath for Women uh, Week Three here coming up in uh, Great Britain. So um, guys, I don't know. I, that's pretty much it. Um, I know Holly couldn't make it today, but uh, maybe it's because Seattle lost. I oh, know. I'm just kidding because she's a Niner fan. She doesn't care. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Uh, I did mention that she did throw that back out me. She was like, I don't care. I'm a Niner fan. I don't care if Seattle lost. Yeah. So she wasn't hurt by anything, technically. She's lying. <laughs> She's not lying. She can't lie. She's a Niner fan. She had, to, she had to be a little salty knowing that Mike Hamill won. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mackenzie, we're out. Uh, Rams will win, move on, and that's going to be the story Wrong. coming up next podcast. Correct. <laughs> Y'all will be taking another L from me. Tori's already had Oh, like boy. Three. Now it's your turn. Is that like a loaf of bread? Is that like L for loaf of bread or what? Come on. L for loser. Okay, we're going to put mustard on that bread, and you're going to eat your words next week. That's how it works. No, so you better go golf. so, because I'll come in like like <laughs> infernal fire, bud. <laughs> oh, I just love to get you riled up. You're so nice. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, go Rams. It's my, my motto, of course. Uh, you and Luis are going Cowboys, of course. And Troy is taking Rams, because you got you to gotta go with the boss, just the way it got. It's got to be. No, he wants, he wants to take another L. 
We're not taking the L, Mackenzie. Mustard's going to win. It's overpowering yellow. Not. Not. I can tell you, my cousin already told me in L.A. that they're ready to, they're ready to go. So I, I believe her. You, you have to I mean, Dallas Monica. has been ready to go since this win streak we got, so let's do it. You, you, have to, you have to understand one thing. Jason Garrett is coaching the Cowboys this game. They're not winning. That's it. It's over. That's what Rams you said last the- week, and now look. Last week, I did think Seattle was going to win. I will say that. I did say that. Um, but Well, and I, there's I that's like- your 7th L. Come on, Troy. Yeah, I mean, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. I've been taking some L's recently. I can take it on the chin. It's all good. But you know what? When it comes down to it, though, you're going to have to answer for this one. And it's going to be a long day. I'm telling you, all the Cowboy fans, it's going to be a long day for y'all. And, look, that off season, y'all going to be thinking about what could have been and that play you could have made and somebody dropped the pass. and I, It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, man. And y'all going to have to be right back where you started last year. And you know what? Y'all not going to win the NFC East next year. It's not going to be the Redskins either, I can tell you that. Um, but I think – Well, I mean, you don't really have any room to talk about nobody's football team. No. You've been taking L's no, no, no. Thanksgiving. You were wrong about the Heisman. You were wrong about um, – you were wrong about the I was Redskins right about being that. my Cowboys. You – you were, you were wrong. No, you weren't because you just – no, 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 no. You tried to tell me two was going to win. I, and I told you exactly why Tyler was going to win, and Tyler won. So that's really – that's and three I, L's in I one week. I said Tyler Murray was going to win. I, I changed my mind. I said, I said, you know what, let me go Let me go with Salty because I said I think she's right. I'm looking at how he played and then also saw that Tua got hurt, and I, I, I came back and I said I think he's going to win it. Remember that? See, I gave you your I do, but you can't flip-flop. Well, you can, but you still took an L because I was right all along. He doesn't even wear sandals. He can't flip-flop. Damn. You know what? You know what? You know what, Matt? You're a sore winner. You're a sore winner. I am. Yes, I am. I'm also a terrible loser. Not going to lie. Everybody loves this girl. I'll tell you, I've got so much – Good stuff from everybody. Everybody loves you, Mackenzie. So we, we love you too. We just like poke fun at the salty. It's just the way it is. So much fun. You know, I I try to please most people, but it usually just comes out as salt. No, you, you're 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 on point because I think all those L's are getting to Troy now. He just wants that big win this weekend, like I do. Okay. Look, you know what? I know you must I, rub I'm, it in I'm my face, but. I'm about to get on a hot streak this week. Why don't we go four? Why don't we go four for four? Why don't we go four for four? We're going to talk about it. I'm going to be right right on Twitter with y'all, going back and forth, telling y'all how the the boys are losing. I'm going to be there the whole time where we can all discuss it. It's all good. I'm going to be there. Don't worry. I'll hold your your hand and sing Kumbaya as the Dallas Cowboys go on to the next round. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Don't make me sad, Mackenzie. I don't want to be signing off sad right now. I'm just mustard's going. I gotta have mustard going here. No, it's all about it's all about the star, baby. It's America's team. Oh boy. All right. So we are we are out. We are out. Rams looking to win. Cowboys looking to upset. And uh, Troy going with mustard. So that's pretty much the analogy right now. So we'll be here for two fifty six. Troy's taking another L. Tori's taking another L. That's what McKenzie. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. 
So we might we might be eating crow, Troy. You never know. There are stranger things that happen. So, but we'll we'll man up. If the loss happens, Mackenzie, we'll man up. We'll be here. We'll be here. You, nah, you make but, sure uh, we'll be here. Oh, and nah, if, but, if the Dallas Cowboys somehow choke, I will be there with excuses, but I'll be there. I'm eating caviar. <laughs> Ain't no crow on my on, on my. I'm eating caviar this weekend. Watch. It's gonna be a Ooh. celebration when. It, so we'll be here for 2.56 as we get ready for the NFL Divisional Round playoffs as well as uh, what a game this weekend for the College National Championship. That was an awesome game. And so um, I'm hoping I'm not going to be in the Nick Saban conference room, but uh, I'm hoping to be on the other side with Dabo. Big win. Let's rock. Let's do it. Um, so for Mackenzie Brooks, uh, the option Louise Bean and Holly Custis, uh, and for Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez, and here to catch you next week on 256 as we get ready for the NFL Divisional round results. Have a great night, everybody.